This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. Scottish Mortgage is considered the flagship trust of Edinburgh-based investment managers Bailey Gifford and is the UK's largest investment trust. As with any investment, please note capital is at risk. To find out more, please visit scottishmortgageit.com. Hello, my name is John Schaefer and welcome to The Wealth Show from CityWire. In this episode, I spoke with Newton's chief executive, Ewan Monroe, about whether the asset management industry's approach to mental health has changed. Ewan also speaks about managing stress in high-pressure roles and why poor physical health is often a precursor to a dip in his mental well-being. Q1 was obviously a pretty exceptionally challenging period for, for fund managers. And how does Newton as a business help start, staff deal with, with that stress? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we've got is we've got, we've got a kind of um, mental health first aiders programme. So we kind of um, do have a bunch of people who are skilled to deal with people who are in a crisis should, should that happen. Um, there's also quite a big programme of um, wellness material available on, you know, on the Newton Stroke Bank of New York Mellon uh, website and so on. So people are uh, able to access a whole load of those techniques uh, and so on for, for maintaining mental wellness. But I think uh, myself and the exec, what we try and do is through communication, um, encourage people to... Um, feel this okay to um, to admit to um, and to act on getting better when they have a mental health problem. Um, and so, you know, one of the major issues that, or one of the major programmes we've been rolling out recently is uh, a sort of website um, called Human at Newton that's been rolled out by, by the team where um, it's effectively video blogs or vlogs or whatever you call these things of... Um, uh, of uh, you know people talking about you know crisis that they've been through and 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 how it, how it's how it's uh, what's how the reaction been like been like to those? I think it's been very positively received. Um, I think people do feel that um, there's a recognition that um, uh, you know we, we I mean I mean I th- my my own perception of when um, I've been cl- I mean I, I can't claim of that. I've never had serious depression or seen a serious mental illness um, myself but I did recently do a blog about um, how it impacted on my family because my mum didn't have a good uh, lockdown and started having psychotic incidents and so on so I, I shared that with the business and we, we talked about it and she's responded very well after treatment so it's kind of these things are treatable their illnesses the same as physical ailments get help when you when you sort of find that you're in this sort of situation so but I think you know, for me, where you get closest to the edge, it's when it's when things you can't control are impacting you, um, and in sort of quite a material way, and that happens all the time in markets. Yeah. You know, where you know you're doing your best to pick stocks, and then Putin goes into Ukraine, and you know, kind of things go crazy, and you've got no control over it, and so it's. Um, I think it's talking about these things and explaining that um, you know, kind of, you know we have to make the best decisions we can on the information that's available, but we are, to some extent, the victim 
of um, of random events that can you know sometimes make us look like chumps uh, and uh, and so talking about it being open about it and I think as well myself from an exact point of view I do regular blogs um, part of it is talking about coping with things we can't control part of it is also frankly I tell stories from everyday life and I think um, sometimes people in senior positions like to present an image of nothing ever goes wrong for me, I'm sort of polished and perfect and, you know, kind of all of that sort of thing. And I actually think talking about some of the things that have gone wrong, you know, flights missed, uh, meetings I've not performed at, whatever, you know, just explaining that not everything goes super well even when you're the CEO. Um, I think that does uh, does help people. Do you think feeling. that makes you more approachable as a CEO? I think it does. It makes it makes you feel more approachable. Certainly, I think I think uh, that's borne out. I, I don't think there's too many people in the business don't feel they they can approach me or speak to me. Um, but I also think it it kind of gives people um, I think the correct impression that in life there are no um, people who breeze through it without incident and and without being uh, inconvenienced by by random factors. Yeah. Oh. Wanted to go back to your comments about, about your mother having some struggles over the pandemic. I mean, how did you personally deal with that in a sort of support role? You've obviously got a really intense job mm -hmm. going on. And, you know, that is, again is something that's pretty much outside of your control. Yeah. You know, how do you manage such a, um, a challenging role whilst having other things in your personal life sort of being an extra challenge to you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think. I think that's where you know the support of broader family. I'm fortunate. I'm not. Um, I'm not dealing with it on my own. I've got. Um, you know, my wife was able to lean in, as were my brothers and their wives. So, it was one of these things that together we handled it as a family. And um, you know, obviously for me, it was more just when I'd gone in to visit her. She was telling me that she was hearing voices, and then my brother picked that up. We initially thought it was maybe something that her hearing aid was picking up, yeah. but then we realised it was more serious. Um, and so then it's just a question of, um, you know, kind of or organising a rota with the family for who's going to go in and, and, and see her uh, on, on various occasions. Um, but uh, I think one of the things you've got to recognise is not everybody is dealing with it in the circumstance I'm in. Not everybody has other caregivers that are available. And again, that's something that, um, you know, we're kind of, uh, we're, we're kind of keen that, people share with us when they're forced into a situation where they, they have to deal with a family crisis. I like to think we're the kind of firm where um, colleagues can step in and help out. And I think, you know, on one occasion, it wasn't so much a mental issue, a mental health issue, but it was, um, and one of my blogs recognised um, the colleagues of an individual in a team whose, whose son had, uh, you know, terminal illness and yeah. subsequently died. But the, the team, you know, basically did his job for him. Well, he helped, helped yeah. with, um, he, he kind of dealt, dealt with the family, you know, kind of issues you had to deal with. And I think it's kind of, really, that's what a team's for. Um, and that's what it's like being part of a team. You know, it's, if it's, you know, me this week that needs the help, but it'll be somebody else the, the following week. With the fund manager role in, in itself, do you think that's more susceptible to, to stress and perhaps mental health um, you know, issues. There's so much kind of pressure on these 
one or two people. There's always that kind of, we still have this sort of star mm. manager kind yeah. of feel in the industry. As yeah. much as we've tried to, to get away with it, it, it yeah. it's still there. And do, do you think that's a negative for mental health? Well, I think it's, it's something you have to you have to build resilience, um, and I, I, I obviously I kind of came through that route being a being a sort of risk taker, fund manager, um, and I, I certainly can remember uh, getting better at it over time. So as a junior fund manager, um, you know, I guess as a very junior fund manager, your first few years are quite important because you don't have a longer term track record yeah. to fall back on. Um, and uh, I can remember being, you know, really quite gloomy on various occasions when things were going against me. Um, and um, I think over time, uh, you 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 create techniques to to to, to deal with um, that kind of that kind of pressure. And I think part of it is, uh, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm sort of an expert in talking about mindfulness mm -hmm. or anything of that. If that works for people then that's fine. But for, for me, it, it was more about um, just, you know, kind of reminding myself about the things that I can control and the things that I can't. Um, and so generally over the years, I've got more judgmental on myself if I fall into uh, an elephant trap that was foreseeable yeah. um, than, um, than, you know, kind of make a mistake that, um, you know, really has been it caused by by a fairly you know random factor that emerges, and I think in all sorts of lives that's a good philosophy. I mean, as someone who travels and I've recently been on a lot of flights that have been late, and I see people getting wildly worked up uh, because the the flight's delayed, and you just know it's not going to do. The plane's not going to leave any earlier. It's not going to really so help them. Yeah. And, and, and so that sort of mental capacity to just say, I can't control this, and therefore I'm going to refuse to allow it to uh, upset me. You said on LinkedIn that we need to know our limits um, when it comes to mental pressure. Mm. How do you judge those limits, both as an individual and for your staff? Mm -hmm. Well, I think I was, I was talking, I mean, I, I was talking about, um, you know, our, our physical limits yeah. as well and 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 I don't think it's so different I mean I, I kind of uh, one of the things I confessed in one of my blogs to staff is that I kind of uh, uh, I suffer from uh, gout which I know is joked about as rich man's disease and and sort of rich living and everything else but unfortunately it's a genetic reality I have to deal with right so so at the minute I've got I've got a bit of a sore knee yeah. which means I can't actually run for a train at the minute if I'm a bit late which is annoying just in the same way as you kind of will assess what you're fit for physically I think you have to sort of say Sometimes look at your diary, look ahead, sort of say, seriously, um, am, I, am I asking too much of myself and shouldn't I spread that out a little bit or push that trip out for a month or, or whatever? So you're kind of seeing them as quite intertwined, really, your, your, yeah. phys your physical health and your, your mental health. Well, I, I, think, I think your physical health starts to give you clues. I mean, for me, I, I'm very bad, actually, at knowing when I'm stressed. Um, but what happens is I've got eczema, so my eczema gets worse when I'm under stress. So for me, the sort of trigger is when my skin starts to go flaky, I'm probably um, needing to pull back a bit and, and uh, you know, get some more sleep yeah. and take a bit more time to, to, to relax. How have you seen 
sort of attitudes to mental health change in the industry? Um, you've obviously, you know, been in the industry yeah. for, for quite well, a while, and, 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 and mental health perhaps has been kind of, I wouldn't want to say popularised, but put to the forefront in a, in a different way over the last five years. Or so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's probably been talked about a lot more, um, but um, I think in different ways. Um, you know, when I was a junior, um, a fund manager, um, I learned a lot from seasoned fund managers who had uh, kind of, you know, borne the brunt of risk-taking for a long time, and, and they did give me good, solid advice. Um, we probably just didn't talk the language of mental wellness or mental health, but effectively the tips and advice were very much aligned with um, with trying to build that, that resilience. Um, I think, um, you know, probably for me, the, you know, kind of when I think back uh, to the global financial crisis, um, I had a lot on at that time and uh, I kind of developed Bell's palsy, um, you know, kind of one side of my face sort of, which, which then I remember triggered quite a lot of conversation with some of my uh, senior colleagues saying, "Are you taking too much on? Do you need to sort of step back a bit, etc." So, so they sort of were linking the physical with the with the mental, which which uh, which is how I often articulate it. Um, so, so I think it's always been there, um, but um, you know, I think I think probably it's talked a bit more explicitly about now than perhaps in the past. Yeah. And, and you've been CEO of two, two major businesses, and, and how do you see the, the culture having an impact on mental health and, and the mental health of staff? Do you think that there's differences in the, in the businesses you've, you've been there involved? There is. I mean, I think, I think I'm not going to draw a contrast between yeah. the two firms I've been in, because I think both of them uh, took mental health pretty seriously. But, um, yeah, I, th I think the, the worst possible thing is where you've got this sort of culture of corporate perfection, if you like, um, where, um, you know, you've, you know, you're kind of just expected to get everything, everything right. Um, you, you've, you, you know, you're not meant to show any vulnerabilities. Um, and, and I think that's a very, very dangerous culture to, to, to bring people into because, um, as I said, particularly in our industry, um, you know, even if you are very, very skilled, um, you can be, you can be, you know, hammered by randomness. And another thing is that, you know, the opposite is true. You know, to notice my, my, my talk, I, I mentioned that mental wellness is dealing with successes as well as failures. And one of the things that's a big risk in our industry is when people have a success, they attribute it to, to skill. So I sort of look at Cathy Wood's Arc Funds, for example, where you know, kind of, she bought into the hottest things that were going up. That was that wasn't skill, in my view, not at all. But you know, you end up so so if she, I'm not sitting, judging her mental health, but you know, someone who's done something, they've got lucky in the markets. If they think that's all about them, and they start to imagine that they're kind of geniuses. Um, then they're very, very vulnerable to being seriously rocked when, when you know, it goes the other way. I want to move on to the sort of return to the office now. Obviously, we're in person today. And, and how much do you think being in person matters for, for asset management and 
and for the mental health of staff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, I think it really matters. Um, I think some people. I mean, you know, I think some people probably don't realise what's what's good for them in the, in the sense that um, an element of flexibility is is no doubt good. And, and I think for me, it's about there's there's three things you've got to keep into balance uh, to have a, a healthy firm. You've got to keep you, you know your your staff need to be looking after their own work life balance and and so on. But you also need to be looking after your customers. I need to be making sure that the the business is um, is is healthy and thriving. Um, so obviously, work from home uh, has allowed uh, staff to get a bit more work life balance, um, but some of them maybe feel so attracted to not having to pay for a commute or mm. not having to that they're missing out on that human interaction, and um, and so I think. Um, there may be a, a danger of them having the the flexibility, but um, but losing that connection with colleagues and and um, and maybe suffering from loneliness. Frankly, um, so so I think coming into an environment where you've got colleagues, there's um, there's there's chat beyond just the formal chat that you would have on meetings, um, is really important to to the culture. Now we've. We've sort of said, you know, we, we're kind of leaving it to, you know, to leadership teams to decide what the right mix will be between working from home and being in the office. But the business needs, um, you know, experienced staff to be teaching and um, guiding uh, more junior staff. Mm. And that's, that's something that happens much better in a, a sort of face-to-face environment. So for the good of the business, we need people to, to come in. And just in the same way as I look back through my career, and I'm really grateful for experienced colleagues that kind of helped me uh, build the resilience and so on that was necessary, we need to do the same for the next generation that's coming through. What are your views on the uh, four-day week? Do you think the asset management industry could um, merge into that? And, and, and uh, uh, I, I, that would be a positive for mental health? I mean, it might be a positive for mental health. I just don't know whether it's... I mean, I don't think it's sustainable with that. I mean, I think if everybody went to four-day week, I, I do think there'd be a drop in productivity. I just know that I couldn't do in four days what um, I currently do in five. Um, and um, and so I don't think... I think if we went to four-day week, we'd have to employ 20% more people. You know, I just think that's, that's the reality. Um, also, of course, the markets are open five days, so we we need to be um, here when the markets are open, and we need to be available when our clients want to want to deal with us. Even so, on a rotor system, you, you, you. so so I mean, I say might work in a rotor system, but we need more people. I, I I don't believe that people are sitting with twenty percent free time certainly in this business, um, and so it would need to be made up somewhere. This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk.